This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ars Brothers Rankcast, an Ars Bros OG. Uh, we're back again. We're still in lockdown. We're still isolated. We're still drowning in all of our freedoms. Uh, but at least uh, we, we had a we had this great opportunity to uh, to to see how we matched up to the top team in England from last year. I called on Twitter, Toby, for a little bit of breaks pumping. A little bit of, of it's not about the win, it's about the performance, it's about uh, making sure that we're going away to big clubs, uh, putting in a, a, an effort, uh, making a nuisance for ourselves, leaving a mark. And uh, for parts of that game, I think we did that, and for parts of that game, I didn't. It's a, it's a, a strange game to watch, Toby. Do, do you want to just take us through your kind of overarching feelings at the end of the game? Are you gone? Your internet's gone? You fucked it already. It's already gone. Well, this is great when you only got one guest on, because I guess now you have to attempt to talk to yourself. So I'll go on a hot you... spot. I'll go on a hot yeah, spot. Yeah, you're fucked. You're fucked, mate. I'm gonna talk while you sort your shit out. Um Okay. Anyway. So since I was talking to Toby and now I'm gonna do my my second favorite thing in the world, which is listening to the sound of my own voice, I guess I will start and essentially self-interview for the next couple of minutes while Toby's sorting himself out. Um, for me, I thought, and I, I said this at the start, that leading in, there was a number of, uh, of Arsenal fans who really, really needed to give themselves a little bit of a slap. I, I think it's quite okay to go into a game confident, to go into a game thinking that we're going to make a nuisance of ourselves, to go into a game thinking that we're going to put in a great performance. But from what I saw online, you know, this idea that we were somehow going to go and going to pull the pants down of your internet is still fucking terrible, Toby. Um, thinking that we're going to go there and we're going to pull the pants down of Liverpool. Um, and to think that what happened last year with Liverpool winning it, with the COVID broken season, um, with uh, victories in cup games that they may or may not have have really cared about anymore. I always thought that it was a, a little bit of a brash move from Arsenal fans to think that somehow this team that finished eighth with this squad was somehow going to come and fix it all up. Toby, you look like you're back. Can you hear me? I'm back, baby. Okay, so I'll finish my monologue now. Uh, to think that we were somehow going to come out of this and and be coached to be this top top team that we're going to go to Liverpool, who have been who are now five years into this journey. I think in the end, we got very much what I expected. I, I said on the Clock End Talk preview show, I think I said, I expect us to lose, but I expect us to lose well. I expect us to lose with dignity. Toby, is that how you felt? Did you feel that we lost with dignity, that it was an improvement on what you would expect to see an Arsenal team in the past put up, especially going goals down? I, I think so. I think in the past, we would have gone and tried to go toe for toe and ended up getting smashed on the break which we saw so many times um and we didn't do that i mean the 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 way we set up was a little bit of a insight into where we are as a club you know and i don't have a problem with coaching 
a different way against different teams. But for me, it looked like a training session of attack against defence. So I was watching with my four-year-old son and he's usually only got about 20 minutes, half an hour in him before he loses concentration. That poor kid didn't even see us touch the fucking ball for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> so it was, it was very much... Um, attack against defence and, you know, that's the way it was set up and we, we had a couple of chances to do that. We, you know, really, in hindsight, it we could have snatched a draw out of that and um, I would have been quite happy with it. And bring it back to your point, uh, yeah, we lost with a bit of dignity but I think it shows the chasm between the two clubs and coming back mm. to your, your point beyond that point is that, yeah, I mean, we can't get too carried away. I mean, we finished eighth last year we haven't made a whole bunch of signings uh, and it's more down to ching in the setup of how we manage fact, this rather than the per- yeah. personnel yeah in fact bar willian that that was essentially the team essentially the team that we that we've gone out with last season um you know with yeah. Tierney coming back in and and Ainsley Maitland Niles being thrown in there to do a job can I make um, one more point as well the the game we won against them at the back end of last season we were lucky you know, they they made a lot of yep. misses and hit the bar, and I think we had good saves from Martinez. And then um, the Charity Shield, no one gives a fuck about that. So even though they yep. put out a good team, you know, they didn't give everything. It was a, it's a preseason it's a preseason workout to get miles in the legs. I said this after the the Charity Shield. I, I said there is nothing wrong with Arsenal fans being excited. That, that's not the point. There's nothing wrong with you being excited. There's nothing wrong with being hopeful. Um, but I, I think sometimes, you know, we as a fan pl- base have this like all all of one or all of the other mentality. It's either doom or gloom, we're going to be destroyed or everyone's on this like, oh, we, we're going to go out and smash it to pieces because we've put together a couple of good performances you know, against uh, West Ham where we had holes in our game and West Ham overran us at times and Fulham, who looked like being absolute, to coin a phrase, Toby, cannon fodder this year. Um, um, But look, the game opened up. The lineup was what I expected to see. Uh, I expected to see Elneny and Jacka play. I even predicted it and and said that I thought that this would be a game for Elneny. Um, I've said in the past that, you know, coming up against top opposition when we're going to sit in a low block and break, that I that's one of the, I guess, the styles that I like Shaka playing in. Um, for me, Toby, the midfield was absolutely torrid, got torn apart. And as we say on so many podcasts, you know, the game really is often won in the middle of the park. It's won and lost in the middle of the park. And... Um, I guess to start with, you know, let's let's talk about El Nenny and Xhaka. Let's talk about them as a partnership. We don't need to dig into the deficiencies and go down some rabbit warren about saying that Xhaka is shit or El Nenny is shit. We know that we need reinforcements there. But from a tactical perspective, Toby, not even necessarily tactical, just from an output perspective, how do you think we lost that midfield that badly and, and were so able to, so unable to connect the midfield to the front three who were on an island by themselves? Well, they certainly were. I I saw it differently to you. I I saw your scores post-games, whereas I hadn't given Xhaka any negative points nor positive points. I just thought he did what he usually does. And I feel that he's their 
as the deepest positionally and is almost there as an extra defender to not really leave his zone. It's almost like a zonal marking type of thing. And then he just ticks the ball over and, do and does what he does. But for us, because we never actually had any possession, you know, there was no um, interaction with the front three that way. The one that I was more disappointed in because I thought he was suited to this game and he was supposed to be the release valve and someone who was quite press resistant, like we saw in the charity shield, was El Nenny. I just thought that he was that he was poor, couldn't step up to the challenge. I felt that every single pass Instead of skipping and navigating the press, he would take the easy option and play it back. And, you know, the only thing that we could do was play it along the back three and then get pressed and then have the out ball to either of the wing backs or, you know, occasionally the wide forwards. So that's where I saw it break down um, more than Xhaka specifically, um, where I think where we know it's poor, the... The, the power and the energy and the running and how fast the Liverpool players receive, manoeuvre and pass again the ball is, it's just dynamic. It's like everything is on turned up to 11. And I just don't and, and feel... And especially in this game, Toby, Liverpool really came out. They've taken two losses to us. And for yeah. me, from the first moment, Mane was coming out fucking kicking Bellerin and elbowing cunts in the face. And, yeah. and there was yeah. there was a there was a clear desire from Liverpool to stop this rot, to stop this idea that Arsenal have their number. I thought that was clear and apparent from the start. The midfield three that they put out was just so stark contrast to the midfield two that we were attempting to put out. As far as physicality, as far as running, as far as strength and size. Mm. Look, mm. where I disagree with you, and I, I don't I. I don't disagree with you because I felt that as a unit, that central midfield did not work. And I thought that how, where it becomes most highlighted is actually later on when Ceballos comes on and it shows how much of having a more technical passer in there is a different way of breaking a press that Definitely. you have someone who's able to, to press into mm. it. And look, mm. I said to you in my numbers, I, there was a reasons why I was disappointed with El Nenny and disappointed with Xhaka, and I gave them both yep. negative points because I felt that entire yep. game was won yep. and lost in the midfield. Um, yeah. The reason why I gave... So I, I, I gave El Nenny negative points, obviously, because he didn't do what he was put there to do. A and I had him mm. in my starting 11. I was like, look, maybe Ceballos is going to be a little bit more lightweight. He's not going to be able to stand up to it. So, you know, Arteta's thinking and most Arsenal fans thinking aren't that that far different. My issue with Jacker was his inability to be technical enough with close control when he was getting absolutely hounded by Liverpool's midfield. And because he doesn't have the technicality to drop a shoulder and beat someone to be able to get that ball into mm. the right area for him to play the mm. release ball, it meant that the release ball never came. And, and you know, mm. for me, it was a flip of a coin between El Nenny and Jacker because I think as a combination, they didn't work in that game. And like I said, I thought that was really highlighted when Ceballos came on later. Uh, one of my other small issues, and he actually had a decent game, was Lacazette. I felt that this was a game for Eddie. That this is that if I'm going to pick Eddie Nketiah in a game, I'm going to pick Eddie in a game when we're playing passive, when we're playing deep, and we are trying to get a ball through the line. But then on reflection, I was looking at it, and I'm like, but the ball never came to him because it barely went to Lacazette. 
It barely went to Willian, and Aubameyang might as well have had a a, a paid leave day. He might as well mm. have been on the he might as well have been on the sideline. And you know mm. whether you want to whether you want to put that onto them or put that onto the lack of um of, of delivery and the lack of service. Um, but that was my that was my my qualms with the midfield. Toby, someone who you you kind of didn't mention because obviously, guys, Toby and I will we, we'll, we'll send each other messages. We do our three two ones. All the guys in the group do their three two ones. Um. Tierney clearly exposed in this game. Um, not his best game at centre at centre back. Definitely not his best game against Liverpool. We've seen him nullify Mane before. Um, but for me, that came a little bit further up. So it's twofold why Tierney got so killed. Number one, the ball kept coming back at him. And anytime you put you put centre backs under waves and waves and waves and waves and waves of pressure, they're going to start to have a problem. But for me, Ainsley Maitland-Niles didn't shroud himself in glory in that game with some of his positional uh, defensive work. Uh, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold continually found by himself as everyone got sucked back into the box. Alexander-Arnold just picked up this, I guess, almost like an in-between space outside the box. And two of their goals come from booming, uncontested right foot crosses from him. Mm. Well, they played a back four, didn't they? So it wasn't man for man marking, and and I and you you think about the quality of the opposition. I'm I'm not trying to talk Ainsley Maitland Niles out of um, not having a great performance because I didn't think he was fantastic either. I didn't think he was terrible, but I didn't think he was fantastic. Um, you know, he had a lot of work to do. So down that side, you've got Tierney on Salah, which is hard for anybody with that power. Um, you know, the ability to the close control and his low centre of gravity and all of that. So Tierney always had his work cut out. And then you had, obviously, Maitland-Niles trying to mark up with Trent Alexander-Arnold. But you also had, you know, Naby Keita over on that side who was really technically good and was playing at a, an incredible tempo. So the fact that we had that extra defender there gave us safety but it also made it so we gave up the midfield you know mm. and the 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 thing with our outballs and what I was saying the other week I mean Maitland-Niles didn't play the previous week but Saka all, also struggled against West Ham that left-sided wing back is the release valve and to all of that pressure so you play out the back you play in that sort of square U you know and and it's that U-shape that the guy who receives the ball under the most pressure is the wing-back, with a lot of the time with his um, back to the defender. So where I think Maitland-Niles is good, because we had a whole bunch of players who couldn't get their foot on the ball and dribble out of a tight space and a tight press, I thought he was very, very good at that and actually looked one of our most technically astute players, whereas Aubameyang doesn't have that. But where he was less good today was with that defending, you know, and as we know, he's usually a good stand-up defender. But I put that down more to overloads than a poor defensive display as such. Yeah, look, I thought the overload came a little bit from him and his uh, he, he got a little bit languid in this game again for me. And I find Maitland-Niles has a tendency to do this. It's like It's like good performance... And then that languidness gets back into his game and the intensity drops out of his game. For me, Ainsley Maitland-Niles needs to be almost operating at 90% for him to be effective, as in running and getting into positions and at 
full speed. I actually put in my things, even though I thought that he was his defensive positioning wasn't fantastic in this game, um, that I thought at times he was one of the only powerful running out balls that we had, and he did pull into spaces. Um, and 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 defensively too. So don't don't forget with all those power runners and the African brigade that they've built um, at Liverpool. You know you've got the 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 running power of Mane, which is second to none. The running power and physicality of Salah, and then you've got monsters like Fabinho. You've also got Naby Keita now. You know and and Wijnaldum, so who's also a pretty big bloke. Um, you know, so you've got an unbelievable power running three, but they're also very, very quick with everything they do on the ball. And you just have this tempo that we couldn't that we couldn't match up to. You mm. know, and we brought David Louise back in and dropped Gabrielle, who's probably our best defender. I thought Tierney looked even though he's tenacious, he looked very slight, like he'd be more comfortable defending further towards the touchline. And I thought... Yeah, when but Sa- he's, had, he's had Salah in his pocket a couple of times, Tierney. So there's definitely something different in this game compared to previous games with how with how Tierney got overloaded because mm. he has looked comfortable in that position mm. and he has looked comfortable up against Salah. You know, so it's not like all of a sudden you have a different a different player... I was saying to uh, I think it was I Ryan. wouldn't say he looked comfortable and don't and don't forget it's like you know you've got moments like absolute moments and occasionally an attacker is going to get the better of a defender you know I think Tierney probably should have tactical fouled against Salah and just taken the yellow instead of doing sort of a half half wishy washy thing and 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 getting his body position all wrong so that could have prevented that first goal in particular. So I, I wouldn't say Tierney had had Salah in his pocket before, but he'd done well enough, you know? Yeah. Uh, Toby, on the defenders, uh, lots and lots of kind of mixed feedback on Twitter. Um, and, and definitely one defender who seems to divide opinion at the moment is Rob Holding. So for me, for you, and for Manny, uh, I haven't seen what Scunny scores are. Ryan hasn't got his in yet either. Uh, we've all... Considered Slack. Rob Holding, yeah, we, we've all considered to have Rob Holding to have had a very, very good game. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the general public, a, a lot of what I see online, they still come back to an inability to distribute or him looking uncomfortable with the ball at his person. Mm. I guess my question is: mm. within this system, I know that it is a requirement for everyone to be a passer from the back and to be able to play in that possession-based game. Mm. But you do need pure defenders. And for me, Rob Holding, of all of those guys, is a pure no-nonsense defender. And bar the Mane goal, uh, I thought that he kept Mane very quiet again for the the second time he's played up against him. He did. And he looked like he enjoyed the battle. He enjoyed the battle against um, the sledgehammer last week, Antonio. You know, he, he's actually he's actually played very, very well. So, yeah, his distribution isn't great. He struggles. Um, you know, in the first half in particular, I was thought, oh, you know, he's not having such a good game. Like, things are breaking down on that side with the press. But, you know, you're talking about one of the best attacking teams in the world, let alone the continent, in Liverpool. So, to be able to stand up, defend... Um, 
get into sprint races, you know, not letting the, the, you know, the arm wrestle where you push your arm out to the side to stop your attacker running past. I felt all of those physical battles he actually really enjoys. So it looks like he's coming up to fitness that way. And look, at the end of the day, you need a defender to be a good defender. And as much as we want them to dis distribute, and I think that's really important, you know, you need to not concede. And basically, because we were playing not to concede today, I know that's ironic seeing we conceded three, but we were playing in that style not to concede. Um, you need defenders like that. So I, I, mm. I, I actually gave him man of the match. And I don't think that's saying a lot for our team, but what what I wanted to do was point out his contribution to that fight, that one-on-one -on -one, um, fight with Mane, who's obviously one of the best players in the world. And I think he came out looking um, pretty good with that. Yeah. Um, just got a message in on our messenger group for one of our regular listeners, Cornell van der Hayden. Lovely, strong fucking Dutch there, Dutch name there for Cornell. Um, and he's white. Who knew someone could be called Cornell and be white and not have cornrows um and that's uh, bingo for slightly racist comments on Aspros this week um but cornell says any chance we might add flexibility occasionally not playing out from the back from leno route one is a decent option sometimes at uh, route one is a decent option at least in some cases um i disagree cornell with our three up top you know we don't have a lot of size if you've got lacazette up against Van Dyke was Van Dyke central for them. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a Bamiyang who, you know, he's all right, but he's not a hold up merchant. And then you've got Willian who's about four foot two. So whilst I appreciate the sentiment of occasionally playing the long ball, that's not really our team. Um, and you tend just to seed possession that way. So sometimes you just got to get rid of it as a defender. Um, but our only way of, breaking them down really is to pull them towards us beat that press and then start opening them up when the space arises and, that, and that's and we how we saw that and we saw that when Sabios came on I, I i will say though we actually did attempt a lot of route one football in this game out of out of anger and out of necessity and that came from david louise there was a lot of hacked up long balls from david louise after you know two or three passes coming back to him a lot of the time he was trying to hit Ainsley Maitland-Niles, which actually reminded me of back in the day when um, uh, Sanya used to play for us. Sanya used to be our out ball on the right because we couldn't get an out ball through a Theo Walcott or through a, a uh, I yeah. guess the time. Because we had no Van technique Earth on the right. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that we do get to a point where we, we hoof it long. Um, but unfortunately in this game, whether it was Xhaka and El Nenny at, at times not being technical enough to get on the ball, little Cruyff turn, open up their body and get the ball progressing through the lines, uh, or it was the ball coming back. I thought Tierney got put under just waves of pressure, uh, uh, getting the ball tight against the touchline with Salah bearing down on him. And then, you know, the only out ball being a ball to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's running back towards him with Alexander-Arnold stuck to his back. And the way Liverpool kind of triangulate that with their press, where mm. it's not one mm. guy pressing from in front, one guy pressing from behind, but Alexander-Arnold's mm. pressing right up against Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and I think it's Fabinho. Is it Fabinho? Or Cater, whichever mm. one it was, pressing inside him. So even when he, he he's then got the touchline marking him on his right, 
He's got Alexander-Arnold pressing him from behind. It, you know, Salah's in front of him. They made the pitch very, very, very small for oh. Arsenal. And, and everything has turned up to 11 as well. You know, I mean, yeah. I know I've, I'm repeating myself at nauseam, but that, that ability to press as one and create fear and rush Arsenal on the ball with those pressing in little triangles, you know, it's, it's quite amazing really. So those mobile, tenacious and technically adept um, midfielders, you know, that's what you want, the power running game. And if you compare that, and I, and I know this is your, you know, a lot of fans' biggest um, criticism of Xhaka, it's okay when you're dominating possession or everything's coming towards him and he's like an extra central defender. But when you've got all of that power and movement in little triangles and everything's sped up, you know, like you're watching it on double speed, he just can't cope with that. And and Elneny is another lolloper. He tries hard, but he doesn't cover the ground. You know, he, he's not like an, a pure athlete. We're only playing two in the midfield because what we're doing is we know our defence isn't great. So we're propping up the extra defender in there and using our defence as more of a midfield distribution. So, you know, those two in the centre, they're only there to sit and move the ball. You know, so I think we need to get we need to get players far more technically dribblingly astute. I I know that's <laughs> not a word. I just made that up. But you remember when I when I say that pressure arises from your tight spaces where you make that out ball to either your wing back or your wide forward, and they're the ones that really need to be comfortable on the ball. And, and again, that's where it gets highlighted so much by Sabios coming on, because when the ball is coming into Sabios, he has the technicality to be able to turn in and out with that ball and take yeah. that one touch and then drive into the space. Yeah. But I did want to I did mm. want to speak about that, Toby, because after getting into that second half and starting to watch Arsenal open up and watch Ceballos come on. There's that wonderful through ball through to Lacazette where Lacazette fluffs it. I don't think Lacazette fluffs it. I just don't think it was... That ball was uh, from Bellerin. That wasn't from Ceballos. So Bellerin had one as well. I'm sure it was from Ceballos. Anyway, Which one? The, the, okay, all right. The, there's the, two, there's the two offside or the one that he missed? The one that he misses that goes into Allison. Yeah, okay. So that was a Ceballos ball. That I was a that, yeah. that Ceballos okay. ball through the lines. Then yeah. you got another and he should have he should have fucking hit that as well. That was terrible. No, well, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't terrible. Mm. It wasn't like he he fucked the shot. He's just not elite enough in that moment. Like, do you remember? Did you listen? What fuck? I'm on so many podcasts now. I can't remember what I said it on. I was You're talking about Pepe, I was talking about Pepe being a bit like Walcott, right? Where I was like, mm. when they don't have the time to think because their mm. technique was so good. They would just crack it, and their te technique was so good. It, they were effective when they did that. Lacazette is yeah. almost the opposite to me. His technique isn't that good. So often when he does get this snapshot opportunity where the ball flies into him, it's not like he's such a natural predatory goal scorer that he just goes bang. Instead, he kind of takes that on his left, tries to take it around Allison. Allison's a good enough keeper that he comes out big. I often find with Lacazette, he hits the middle of the net a lot. He's not like a Michael Owen or a Robbie Fowler, 
Um, you know, I, I use those two not because no, no, for sure. Well, they're, they're, them, they're, they were prestigious goal scorers, and, and, and they also scorers. hit the corners all the time. Both. Do you remember of those that? Players. Do you remember that stat I was telling you ages ago about Michael yeah. Owen has more shots against the post than any other player in Premier League history, except for Robbie Fowler, and that's yeah. that like constantly going to corners, well, like to within a millimeter sure. of it. For sure, and I feel like Lacazette is more of a power finisher, and that's where we used to compare him more to a bulldozer like an Alan Shearer than someone with a deft outside-of-the-boot finish or that could manipulate the ball, you know, like the the Michael Owen finish where he would draw the keeper in to the left and then just dink it across with the outside of his right and hit that that far post. Now, you know, it's funny that you should bring up Theo Theo Walcott because I was actually thinking that ball is the type of thing that was his bread and butter that he would pounce on. You know, he might fuck up a few things, but when it came to being through on goal and making the right decisions or making a good connection with the ball. Lacazette's, That's what I mean by technique, Lac- making that good connection and relying on your technique. Yeah, yeah. well, Lacazette scuffed both of those shots. So the, mm. the dink chip finish, which was offside, and I feel like maybe he knew in the back of his head anyway. That's why he tried it on. But that second one, the ball was so beautifully weighted, I actually felt that he could have smacked it first time. And by taking the My extra touch... Exactly. What he did was allow Allison to settle, and then he scuffed it into the ground, almost like a like when you top a golf shot, and it actually came off like his heel and his ankle. So there was no power, and it bobbled up that perfect height to save. And uh, you know, that's that's what we were playing for, Max. Like we were playing for no possession. Someone actually bypasses the press in midfield, release a ball, defensive error, you know, through in space. And we didn't have that clinical person because Aubameyang's playing over on the left mm. to slot that shot. You know, that's and, not and, like, and, a, and, that's and, not and like, and a, Aubameyang, did, Aubameyang didn't, I don't know whether he was, I, I would have to go back and watch it again, because I think it would definitely be a game that would warrant a second watch. I hate watching Arsenal lose twice. Much easier to rewatch a game if you've won. And it was the boring but, game for us. But yeah, I would I would love to go back now and rewatch that game and stick a camera on Aubameyang. And I'd love to see what was affecting him so much that he wasn't coming Did- deep to collect the ball. He wasn't coming inside a lot. Uh, I know he needs players to riff off. He needs players to go beyond him to open up space and pull apart space for him. But you know, it didn't yeah. really happen for him. Um, and well, this, I, is I don't, I, this is I, what I said in the title, Toby, about chicken or the egg. Because for me, there's two ways to look at this game. And you obviously looked at it one way because in your negative points, you had Aubameyang and Willian. And in my negative points, I had Elneny and Xhaka. And for me, I was like, okay, well, if we can't break out from I, that... I gave negative two to Elneny, by the way. I know. I know you did as I know you did as well. But if you can't break out and they're not getting the quality ball and the ball's not going to the areas they want at the speed that they want at the tempo that they want in some ways it's maybe a little bit unfortunate that those two clear-cut opportunities to draw the game when the game turned when Spires came on did fall to Lacazette because in that case you're like no I want that falling to Aubameyang because I guarantee you that ball Aubameyang probably first time hits that right foot if he's playing through the center but I've said to you I don't like Aubameyang through the centre. Now, on the... Because mm. I got sidetracked. I started talking about Lacazette. But on the Ceballos thing, 
having watched the game and been really impressed by Ceballos and even Eddie when he came on again, where I was like, wow, look at the tempo increase. Look at Ceballos finding people. I have to play a bit of devil's advocate to that for myself as well. Because as much as there's a lot of people who are saying we should have started Ceballos myself at the 60-minute at the part of that game, I was like, we should have started Ceballos. When Ceballos and Eddie come on and when Willian, who didn't have a good game, goes off and we end up with Eddie Niquette here, Danny Ceballos and Pepe on it, that game is wide open. And we could just as easily have drawn that game as Jota alone could have put three on us and it could have been 5-1. Yeah, yeah. It's very he, easy. Jota looked nervous, very, didn't he? Yeah, but very. I'm um, not even just talking about Jota not get, not getting it. Just talking about the execution it was open, of it not yeah. happening. Yeah, it was wide open, and you look at that. And the first the first half of the game that for me was Arsenal last year trying to come to terms with not having the personnel to be able to execute the way they wanted to execute. So Arteta finding a way to coach it, and like you said. Liverpool maybe not being executing as much in those games, not taking their opportunities and us taking our opportunities. Quite simple mm. science. Mm. But the second half of that game when Ceballos came on, that reeked to me of like old Arsene Wenger Arsenal's where we we looked great, the balls were fly, firing in. But, but we the, were midfield, open. the midfield was lost. Xhaka had gone off and we had lost that deep-lying person. Like I said... Well, it's I the shape. It's the shape. Yeah. And, 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 and this is my point with those two central midfielders it's actually their job not to leave that space. You know, like we we play in this U shape, you know. So when, when we get the opportunity to have more ball running midfielders who progress the ball, who have that ability to play box to box, that's when we'll see... A different what you're arsenal, saying, but Toby, we're going to have we're going to have to purchase bi- to get. You need there. bisexual midfielders in the in the modern. You need bisexual midfielders sure. in the modern Premier League, for sure. Right? Yep. Unfortunately, what yep. we've got is the first two that we put out were incredibly one-dimensional towards the passive side and couldn't break it. And then when we changed up, we put Ceballos in there. When Ceballos and Elneny came on, they lost the defensive shape, which made us more attacking. And it's this risk versus reward thing. Yeah, for sure. It's like needing an extra player on the pitch. You've only got X amount. And you would say, if you were going to go away to Liverpool, you know, the passive approach away to Liverpool would still be the approach that I would want because for me, I, I would rather go see us fight and in shape and make it very difficult for Liverpool, who are clearly much better than us. Um, I'm still here, you by the way. At, you're taking a yeah. piss with your fucking tiny, yep. tiny raisin of a fucking bladder. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to say my wiener there, but the bladder is acceptable. The, the wiener's as small as the fucking bladder, mate. Maybe even, <laughs> maybe even smaller. Um, but you, 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 ca- you cannot, you, you sort of can't, look to one without looking to the other. You can't look to this modern... You you can't look to the old Arsenal that frustrated us so much where we were capable of going out and having possession and created chances, but equally just just throwing fucking goals into the back of our own net. And say that I want to go back to that and I want to prefer that. I don't. I don't. We almost pinched a draw and we kind of should have. I'd rather do that than lose... 4-0 4-0 or 5 And that's nil. what I'm saying. I would rather do exactly what Arteta did because I've seen some, some you know, how fickle our fucking fan base is is amazing. But already I've seen some guys on Twitter talking about, oh, Arteta got the, the, the tactics wrong and he should have done the other thing. For me, I'm like, no, he didn't. You're away to the champions. He's gone out there and played passive. Yeah. 
He scored at Anfield. I know there's Anfield. no fans. He scored his but goal. But still at Anfield. Right? He scored his goal. He went a goal up. Unfortunately for us, they went straight down the other end and scored, which is which yep. is always a hammer blow. Um, yep. We struggled to break their press. We couldn't get out. We tried to keep our shape. We made it hard for them. They didn't rack the goals up for us. And when it became apparent that we needed to chase that game because we were no longer drawing and we were behind, mm. he did change the shape. He bought on Eddie. He bought on Pepe. He bought on... Sabayos, three attacking players who are going to have less of a mind towards defending, less of a mind towards. And we shape. go, and we and we go, go. And, and we, we gave, gave it a go. go, and it and it and it. We could have lost five one. We could have drawn it two two. So for me, and I'm did you like, care, did you care that we conceded that third goal? Because I did. No, the game no, was. You know, I, I it doesn't it matter if you lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, if like if losing two one or three one, it makes no difference. At least you gave no. it a go, and we did. No. And I feel like at least Arsenal showed two different sides of the coin to ourselves there. We showed a, a team who can go out. And this is something I've always thought that we haven't been able to do in the past. We haven't been able to play different styles within different games. You know, Wenger was very much... I put up a video of Arteta coaching at Man City the other day. Mm. And he's mm. basically talking about when you're in this exact zone, I need other people to be in this exact zone. And I was thinking about what we know of Arsene Wenger and Arsene Wenger's training sessions. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a manny. I love Arsene Wenger. I want a statue of him. But was triangles and keep ball. Not even that. Go out there and express yourself. Not you. Yeah, but it was. Here, yeah. Not, not yeah. time to the millisecond. Mm. Like that's mm. modern day football now. I even think if you're looking at like Barcelona teams and stuff like that, while there's why they're starting to struggle is because it's it's not okay just to have like mavericky guys. But I, basically what mm. I'm saying is he set up the way that I would have set up. And once mm. it got to a point where he decided he wanted to go out and win the game, he went and put mm. fast assets who were going to go and move the ball, who did their job and created opportunities. Unfortunately for us, Lacazette's maybe not elite enough of a striker to, to finish those opportunities. No, Bamiang didn't have an amazing game. But for the most part, Toby, I looked at it and I thought that this was... A like a necessary loss and a necessary tactic. I wouldn't want that flipped, for example, Toby, and for us to start Eddie and Sabios and to to say we're going to go out there and go for the jugular because we're the Arsenal and get done three fucking girls goals early, lose all of our confidence, and then spend the rest of the game hanging on. I I, I so much preferred that. Let's get into shape. Let's try and do the right things. And when it didn't work, and like I said. You know, Xhaka was struggling to break the lines. Xhaka got pulled. For me, mm. I was like, yes, it wasn't, no, Xhaka is a god of football who can never be pulled from the pitch. He pulled it. Mm. And I felt that he pulled him for the tactical reason of Elneny is more athletic than Xhaka is. So get Sabios on there as well. And we'll have a more athletic yep. midfield to their midfield three who have just run and fucking smashed the shit out of us for 60 mm. odd minutes. And, and Jacken needs to be more static because he can't leave his zone. Otherwise, he will get bypassed. He'll get run past, like know? what happened so, against West Ham. So, yeah. Look, yep. Toby, if we learnt one thing, I know the guys in the chat have been saying this, you know, and if we've learnt one thing, it's that we need upgrades. You know, we, we, we need upgrades in the midfield. Um, the guys who we have seem to be uh, one-dimensional or two-dimensional, and really the modern footballer is 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 three-dimensional. You know, they are... They are able to run, jump, fight, tackle, pass. And we've seen that across the top teams. We saw that with with Liverpool, what they were producing. I mean, that's without Hendersons and Oxlade-Chamberlains. I mean, even as those guys come out and fucking what's-his-name, the fucker they just bought from Bayern. Like, they are 
they now have like the best midfielders in the world in their no, position. Well, that, that's probably where they're a bit short. So they've they've backed up the front three now, and then they've also added to those players in the midfield three. You know, they're you know, and and as a player like Milner ages, you know, maybe Oxlade Chamberlain now gets sort of pushed to the outer a little bit. You know, it's it's scary because they have two of the best fullbacks in the world. They've got an unbelievable defensive um, pairing, the central defensive. They've got a brilliant goalkeeper. This is a team that now you're starting to look, it doesn't have a lot of weak spots. And then it's also got incredibly strong squad as well. Mm. So, um, um, just yeah, really, it's... Just- it's- just really, just really quickly, Toby, one player who I, I really wanted to talk about, he made it into my positive points. Um, I know he nearly made it into your positive points as well. Uh, he's got a lot of flack. He's copped flack from me. He got a lot of negative points from me last season. Hector. I thought Hector Bellerin in this game, particularly the first 20 minutes he, he struggled, but he grew into it after the last 20 minutes. Probably the only player on the pitch with the technicality to be able to break the press when the ball came to him in tight areas. No, he was he, he, he was great. Yep. The reason he didn't get any positives for me is because he lost Robertson for that goal. He got drawn yep. in, yep. and that you know that was a pivotal mo- moment. So you would say maybe that move alone, getting drawn in, and two defenders going for the one ball probably was a minus two alone for him. And mm. then I would have given him a plus two for at least so, for his so ability you, so on the nullif- ball. you nullified him. Yeah, see, I, exactly. ended, up saying, I ended up saying yeah. that Maitland-Niles losing his man on the other side for the deep cross yeah. for the second time. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. and this, is, yeah. this is what we often talk about, you know, horses for courses. You know, someone messaged me of Liverpool. I've got all these fucking cunting wanker fucking Liverpool friends, um, particularly Australian Liverpool fans who seem to just think that, because their team is the greatest team in the world, that they can just send you messages after games saying how bad you are and that you're a mid-table team. And I'm like, you're a fucking cocksucker. Go watch more than, like, you know, games of football when your team gets good. So that's my... And you didn't you. win anything for 30 yeah. years. Fuck you. Suck my cock. But yeah. But, you know, that my my... My point, I don't even remember why I was fucking ranting about them. And I think it's about to rain. I'm outside, actually. So might have to wind this up in a tick. Anyway, um, anyway, what ends up happening in this game, what ends up happening for me is it's exactly what we deserved. It's exactly what we went out and played for. Um, it, had we have snatched our goal had Lacazette have taken his opportunities uh, then maybe it would have been a different story Toby but for the personnel that we've got for the people that we've got for what is at our disposal right now with the technicality with the style with the types of players that we've got we went out and we tried to stifle the game a really good Liverpool fan a, a really good Liverpool team essentially choked us from being able to apply that the way we have done in the past uh, and then we came at each other at the game and, and at the end and goals could have gone anywhere. Mm. I really mm. don't think there's much point in being anti-Arteta about this. Uh, even Why? Though you're... Why would you be so reactive? It because... is what it is. We showed yeah. up. We did We did okay. It wasn't a great game. We didn't embarrass ourselves. We move on. We keep learning. 
Yeah, football fans, Toby, modern football fans are like 45-year-old married men, right? Like any opportunity to look at the other thing that they don't have is is going to be, you know, fantasy for them. So, you know, I think anytime we have a manager, it's like that's the wife. And anytime there's another option out there, it's like, hmm, 18-year-old Poontang, wouldn't this be amazing? Well, who else would we fucking get? We've taken yeah. a gamble on a young up-and-coming manager who looks more technically astute than most of the others out there, and we're fucking mm. lucky to have him because he has a connection with our club from his time there. So just shut the fuck up. Let's all back everyone. Fingers crossed for a couple of signings. He will make our club better. We haven't put the finances into it slash misspent over the last three or four years. Don't forget, we've got a £350,000 player who's not even making the squad at the moment. That money could be distributed elsewhere very, very well. And, we and could will, have a, And will be you know, next year. You know, yeah. so don't shit the bed. You know, it was a boring performance, but, you know, we're playing up there with the top four teams in the entire world. So fuck it doesn't matter yeah move yeah. on that's my that's my that's my final piece that i i wanted to say as well is this is what i expected this is the gap that exists in the premier league now uh, without midfield reinforcements i don't think that we're going to be able to go to a liverpool or to a city and play on the front foot because or to, to play even on play front, a back four yeah yeah you know we yeah. have to accept what we've got i think this is like um you know, it's almost like there's a mini league going on at the moment, Toby. And that mini league is going to be fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. It's going to be well, us everyone top. else will fuck up. Look at yeah. even City fucked up. Yep. So, yep. but that that yeah. mini league is that mini league is where we're playing. And Liverpool aren't in that mini league. So if we went and got anything from them at home, those are bonus poison points. Of I, I know everyone wants to sit there and say, "Oh, you've always got to go yeah. there and expect to win." But I think you have to be realistic. And for us right now, it's about momentum. It's about building momentum. It's about building belief. It's about changing the mentality within the team, changing the way that the team has thought for many, many years. And then hopefully what we can do is we can bring in midfield signings. We can bring in some technicality. Someone was like, oh, if we had our in this game, it all would have been different. And I was like, probably not, because probably even with our in there, we still wouldn't have been able to control them in the middle of the park because he's essentially an upgrade on... Sabios. So for me, it's still that Thomas Partey signing that we need. It's still that dominant, lung-busting, line-breaking, running midfielder. And without that, we're going to find ourselves in, in this position for much of the season. So I think patience is the key. Patience mm. is a virtue for Arsenal fans now. Um, and I've said from the start, I think if we perform to the best that we have with this squad, we are an outside chance of top four, an outside chance of top four. Otherwise, yeah. I think that we're probably going to be fifth or sixth and it's going to be very tight and bunched up there. Anything you want to add, champion? No, no, no. Well, I mean, that 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 is what it is. I mean, you look at how Everton have spent and some of their youth players coming through, you know, they're going to be a challenge. You've got Spurs who have spent and have a probably a better squad than us anyway, you know, overall. We've got Manu who are wildly inconsistent. Still, Chelsea, who were the same, wildly inconsistent. So we're all there or thereabouts. So, you know, I, I think we have a better coach 
than all of those, which which is our lucky point. So we just need to. Uh, I don't think uh, Fergus has just sent through a thing saying Hector is dog shit, and I think I said this clearly. We've been. I think that's one of his ne- best games in an Arsenal shirt for <laughs> yeah, quite a while. But we've been and- very, we've been very <laughs> negative. We've been very negative towards him. I don't think that he's dog shit. I think that he's not suited. But actually, I felt that in this particular game, he was suited because you needed less of a runner and more of someone who could hold and recycle possession. Um, anyway, Toby, that's us done. Another week down. We've got a funny week next week. We've got um, a cup game against Liverpool, which I assume is going to be uh, essentially Liverpool's B team versus a very similar team to what we put out in, against in what? Leicester. Carab- League Cup. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, I assume we're going to see that. Um, we might not get a preview show in this week because there's going to be a cup show and then a day and then a preview show and then Ryan doing a cup show in fucking America and then Scunny trying to get one in. So if we don't do one, we don't do one. It's not that big. Um, but the first Ask Bros Monthly is coming up. It's going to be this Wednesday, 9 p.m. Australian time. Um going to be great fun. We're going to do our players of the month. We're going to do our uh, shit asses of the month. See who comes out where. Talk about the month of football. Talk about what we've got ahead of us. Maybe even preview what we're looking at coming up in, in Europe. But until then, guys, catch you later. Have a great night. Have a great day. And um, up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs. <laughs>